Hi, thanks for joining us online. We're glad that you've chosen to access this message. It's so encouraging to know that God is using the ministry of Portico Community Church to touch the hearts and lives of people all across the world. If you have a story to share or a prayer request, we would love to hear from you at info at porticocanada.ca. To support our ministry, you can donate online by clicking on the Donate button at the top right of your screen. Once again, we're so glad that you've joined us. It's our prayer that this message from God's Word will deeply impact your life. If you guys haven't had a chance to meet uh, Pastor Daniel and Rachel, you know how things always are improving and getting better as time goes on? Well, we as a campus are getting better as time goes on because Pastor Daniel and Rachel have, have stepped in and are now the lead pastors for our campus here, and I'll be back and forth. Amanda and I were visiting the Discovery Campus last weekend. They had a really nice building. The people were not as nice as the people here, but the building was, was, a, very, was a very beautiful building. No, it's a, we are really excited to be able to merge with uh, another, a, a, another church and continue to expand the ministries of Portico, and we'll be spending a lot of time there, but we'll be back and forth here as well. So we're really excited to have uh, Daniel and Rachel giving some leadership here at the campus, and if you've not met them, they, you need to meet them, and you need to take them out for food or coffee or something, right? And on you, that's right. That, that was very nice of you. <laughs> so make sure you get the chance to connect with them and get, and get to, to meet them. They fully transitioned out of their student ministries role. You guys had a party on, on Friday night, so they are here full time now, and we're really excited about what the future looks like for you. Yeah, we, we are excited about what the future is for our campus here in Milton. Well, we're moving on in the week two of our series, Immovable. Christians have a few go-to sayings that we use in order to explain life, don't we? When, when we want to stick our nose into somebody else's business and give them advice that they may or may not be asking for, what do we say? We say, I have a word for you, brother. <laughs> when we want to tell them some advice, we're like, I have a word from the Lord for you. Because we, we will want to share something that we just want, that is on our hearts. Or when somebody pays us a compliment, like, oh, you, you sing so well, you did this so well, you play so well, you led so well. We, we want to exhibit humility, so we'll say, I'm just happy to serve with the skills that the Lord gave me. And we'll say, because we, we, don't, we don't want to take any credit, right? But, or when, and when anything good or bad happens, regardless if we feel like this is the right step for our lives, we will say, it's just part of God's plan for my life. Have you ever caught yourself saying one of those things when you genuinely didn't mean it? Like, I have a word from the Lord meant, I know, I just want to say something. Or uh, when you just wanted to be humble, you said, well, that's, I'm just happy to use God's skills. Or, or have you ever said that? That's just part of God's, or it must be part of God's plan for my life, and you don't fully believe it. Because I don't think that all of us actually do believe that or embody that right down to the core of who we are. In fact, if you had to put a percentage on how much of your life you feel is dictated to you by God, compared with how much of your life you get to have influence and choose the free will to do whatever you want, where would you land? Would you land that 100% of the time it is God bringing things in and dictating life to you, and 0% of the time it's you? Are, you are, are we chess pieces that God moves around his board the way that he wants it? Do, you, do, we, do we really believe that? Or do we believe that, well, it's not quite that much, but it's more like 50-50, that, that God moves us sometimes and sometimes we move. Or do we believe that God is actually quite distant and he's, and he, and he's backed right off and he's absent from the day-to-day reality that you and I experience? If you had to put a number on it for yourself, you don't have to shout it out, but if you had to put a number for your own self, just do some reflection, 
What do you believe is the percentage that God dictates life to you and the percentage that you believe you have control over? We're in this series called Immovable, and Daniel kicked it off last week for us about how trusting in Christ can change everything about the way that we experience life. And this morning, our key thought is this. Trusting Christ changes what I believe about my life plan. So what do you and I believe about God's plans for our lives? And if you're taking notes, you'll see some of them in your bulletin, or you can pull up your app, and the notes will be on there, and Gabe will run through them for the screen for us. But trusting Christ changes what I believe about my life plan. Because what you believe about this stuff has some pretty big repercussions in your life. If, if you believe that every significant event that you ever experience is given to you by God, well, then that should raise some fairly serious questions for you, shouldn't it? Why have you received the good things you received and somebody else didn't deserve them? Think about where you were born, the privileges that you've been given, the things that you've experienced. If you believe that that's all dictated to you by God, then compare that with the life of somebody who may not have the same privileges or experiences that you've had. Why did God choose that for you and not choose that for someone else? Or conversely, how come God has allowed the destructive things in your life and the things that you experience, how come God gave those to you? If we believe that all of it is dictated to us by God, then there must be some reason or purpose that he's doing that. And theologically, this is something that every person who wants to have faith has to wrestle down. And it leads you to a place where either you like God a whole like less, or you struggle with the theology that everything that you experience is dictated to you by God. Because life is not fair, life is not equal, and we experience negative things all the time. In fact, there are some key times in each of our lives when we will struggle with this more intensely. As a student begins to apply for different schools, we have, we have some, some of our students who are in high school and thinking about post-secondary, or, or you've just finished post-secondary and you're moving on to job in the work world, you need to wrestle down. Does God have one specific school where you're supposed to be that he has specifically chosen for you? And if you were to miss that, you would, your entire life course and entire life plan would be totally thrown off because you missed hearing his voice at 17 years old. Do you believe that? Or if you slack off in school and you got 70s instead of 80s and you didn't get into the plan, that you've totally messed things up. Or what about, what about when you're considering getting married? There's this very romantic idea. Amanda and I have thought about this for years. But there's this, uh, there's this very romantic idea that out of the seven and a half billion people who exist on earth, there is one person who is the perfect match for us, and it is our responsibility to scour the earth, listening for God, desperately waiting that he will highlight this one individual with a light or, or, or something so that we have found that one out of seven and a half billion and what if you get into that relationship and things don't go the way that you imagined? Did you mess up God's plan for your life? And, and every other relationship that you will have in your life is now a wash because you messed it at that one critical time. We get caught doing this everywhere. Do you believe that God you, will say, this is God want, called me to live in this place? There are 944 different municipalities in Ontario alone to decide from, and that's only if you figured out that you're supposed to be in Canada and you've narrowed it down to Ontario, then you have a 1 in 944 chance to figure out that this is where you're supposed to live. People even say, you know, I can't serve in this church because it's not the place where God has called me to serve. He's, he's called me to serve somewhere else. 
And the question we want to look at this morning is this. Is it possible that God may have more than one school, one person, one city, one job, and one role for you to serve in that you will perfectly embody for your entire life? Or is it possible that God didn't design one place, but God designed a perfect way for you to study, a perfect way for you to work, a perfect model for how we will live in relationship, a perfect way that we would serve wherever it is that we find ourselves doing the things that we do. If you're taking notes, write this down. God's will for your life is less about what you do. It's more about how you do it. God's, God's will for your life is less about what you do and more about how you do it. And for the course of this month, we're going to be in the book of Colossians and really Colossians chapter 1. And Paul is giving us uh, instructions, and he's teaching the church, this is the way that we're to go about living. And, and if we could have our faith rooted this deep in Christ, we would become so immovable in our faith and unshakable regardless of what we face. So we're going to read Colossians 1, 9 through 14. You're going to have to excuse me this morning. I don't have much of a voice, and I like to talk too hard and too loud, so it's probably going to deteriorate as the course of the morning goes on. Or I could just slow down. All right, <laughs> Colossians 1, 9 through 14. Here's what it says. So we have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. This is Paul praying for the church. We ask God to give you, catch it, complete knowledge of his will. God give them complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Catch this then. Then the way you live, the way you live will always honor and please the Lord and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. We also pray that you will be strengthened with all his glorious power, that you will have the endurance and patience you need. May you be filled with joy, always thanking the Father. I love what he's saying there. The knowledge of his will should influence the way we live. He doesn't say anything about where they were to live or whom they were to live around. And this is a huge difference for us if we could catch this. And it should be a freeing thought for some of us this morning that we have not missed the boat on, uh, on God's will for our lives because of a decision we made one time. And not everything we experience is God's punishment or God's blessing on it. Some of it is just the way that life has happened because we live in a broken world and we live in an unfair world. And some of it is just our way on to getting towards heaven where we will experience perfection again. So we have four quick hits this morning we want to look at that come out of that, that text about how we align our life with God's will. And the first one is this. If we want to be aligned with God's will is that we just need to do good deeds that bear fruit. Colossians 1 and 10, he was talking about that. Wherever, wherever you find yourself living, live in a way that reflects the presence of God. He says, bearing every bearing fruit in every good work. Earlier, Paul had written to another church and he was encouraging them that the very reason that they were created was actually to do good things. Ephesians 2 and 10, it says, we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works. That's the reason why we were created, which God had prepared for us in advance to do. Imagine a world where every follower of Christ understood this at a very basic level. That wherever we were, what was our design? To do good deeds. The majority of the frustrations we have with the world could actually go away if we understood that we were to do good deeds. We'll never get rid of the giant evils. We'll never get rid of, rid of sickness and pain. But we could have a lot to say about the minor injustices that happen around us every day simply 
by embodying who God created us to be to do good works. God designed us to be loving, full of grace for people who don't deserve it, sacrificial with our time and resources, being kind and being patient. And he has designed us to do that wherever we live, in our jobs, in our schools, in our gymnastics clubs, in line at the grocery store, wherever he has designed us to live good lives. Have Parents, have you ever sat beside uh, somebody at your kid's soccer game and they're screaming at the referee about how terrible that referee is? Joe, have you ever been that referee? Where's Joe? <laughs> yeah, you've been that referee, right? There, there are people screaming at the referee about how terrible and, and, there's, and there's a parent there and the referee doesn't, the referee doesn't deserve it. And what is God's will? God's will for your life is to show that horrible parent and that horrible referee. Oh, no, just kidding. God, God's will for our lives is to show the undeserving parent grace and mercy and show the referee grace and mercy. That's God's will for our life, to model a different way to cheer. God's will for our life is to come alongside the person who always met, who's, who's at work and they never get that new process or that new plan and they're always messing up and they're frustrating and they're bringing your team down. You know what God's will for your life is? To come alongside them and encourage them and help them be successful wherever it is that you work. God's will for our lives is to volunteer in our community, to give to the food drive, to encourage people who are sad, to fix what is broken. God's will is that we would do good deeds that bear fruit, that are in line with the fruit of the Spirit, and it matters very little where you do that, because if we're doing that, then we're doing the things that God has created for us to be. That's the first one, is that we just do good deeds. We're in line with God's will when we do good deeds. Second is this, We need to get to know God better because who we are becoming is so much more important than what we are doing. Who we become is so much more important than what we do. Our role is development. God's role is placement. There's there's so much that we can learn on this topic out of the life of King David, out of the Bible. I'm not going to take a whole lot of time this morning, but if you want to deep dive it, study the life of David. But we're, we're going to reflect on it for a few moments here this morning. David was destined, it, it was God's plan for him to be the king of Israel. We can, we can agree on that, that, that he was supposed to get there. And when a prophet came to see all the potential boys who would be king, David wasn't even included when the rest of the boys got together. He wasn't even shown as one of the potentials. He missed out on God's will for his life, right? No. <laughs> he was in the fields protecting sheep from lions and bears, and he was developing the skills that he would one day need later on in his life. Because then he was faced with, he was ha- having to take down the giant Goliath. And the skills that he learned to fight off wild animals when he was protecting the herd, when he should have been anointed the king, he takes down a giant with. And then God brings him to the palace right beside King Saul. He's now one step away from being king. He's already missed he already missed the opportunity the first time because his dad didn't show him as one of the potential king, um, the king candidates, and Samuel had to go and find him. Now David is in the palace, one step away from being king. But if you know David's story, Saul chases David out of the palace, back into the wilderness, accuses him of treason, trying to take his throne. Now if I were God, I would not move the guy I wanted to be king to the palace and then send him back to the wilderness as a traitor. 
And he goes into this Israeli wilderness, which is a horrible, hot, desolate place where David learned humility, reliance on God's provision, and all the things that would serve him well when he was eventually to become the king. And then if you know his story, as he had to exit out of the kingship, giving way for his son who didn't deserve it, who tried to kick him out. One of the most important things we will ever do in figuring out God's plan for our lives is just get to know God and just develop wherever we are. If we can look at David and say, you are destined to be king, he was only king for a short period of time, but he was developing since the time he was a young boy out in the fields, when he was a soldier, when he was a musician in the king's palace, when he was a traitor in, uh, in the wilderness, when he was the king, and then when he was chased out of the palace, that entire time he was developing the skills that, and the relationship with God and the reliance on God. Where we do it is not important. Our role is to continually develop and know God. And we see Paul teaching this in Colossians 1.10. He says, I'm going to pray for you that you will grow in the knowledge of God wherever you are, whatever your experience. He wrote it to the Philippians later. He said, what's more, I consider everything that I have a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus as my Lord. If we would understand that if we could just get to know God on a greater level, that's actually his will for our lives. And no matter where we go, we will be in that perfect will. Okay, the third one. The third one is this. We need to build endurance. One of the greatest factors in the success of any individual is their resilience. The ability to bounce back when you feel like you have failed or misstepped is one, of the, is one of the defining factors whether a person will be successful in their life. Angela Duckworth wrote a book a couple years ago and she entitled it Grit. And it details the unbelievable trait that separates successful people from the rest of us. And it's grit, it's resilience, it's perseverance. And we've got the link here. If you're getting bored of me and you want to do a little 10-question scale, just go to that link or if you want to do it afterwards, angeladuckworth.com slash grit dot slash scale or hyphen scale there. And you can go in and it takes a 10 a quick 10-question uh, survey, and, and it gives you your grit score, and, uh, and then it ranks you among Americans, so we should be higher. If you score less than 50, then, then shame on you. No, just kidding. No, but, but it, will, it will mark you against a bunch of American scores, and then it will give you steps if you wanted to uh, listen to her talks or look at her book. But she looked at it and said, grit is the one undeniable uh, factor that helps people be successful. And like I find any true... Any finding that we make in the 21st century is actually rooted in biblical truth somewhere 4,000 years ago. And Paul writes it here in Colossians 1 and 11. He's saying, I'm praying that you'll grow in the knowledge of God's will and then being strengthened with all power and his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience. And if we're to sum up the two things that are in resilience or grit, it's the ability to endure patiently. And if we really believe this to be true, that I'm to endure, I'm to push through whatever I face and that the way that I live my life in every challenge that I have, then how we live is so much more important than what we do. And we should be the most resilient people in the world because nothing we experience is a setback. Everything that we experience is a new opportunity to exhibit the grace of God in whatever situation he has put us in. 
Now, how's that for being overly optimistic, glass half full kind of person? Whatever you face is actually just an opportunity to exhibit the grace of God in the situation that we're in. And I know the situations that a lot of us are facing right now. And we can say, what is God's will for my life? Well, what if I don't know the place that he's calling me to, but I do know the way that he's calling me to act? And it's not that we don't have goals. It's not that we're not, because Stuart and I were talking about this. This isn't, well, I'll just say yes to everything and I'll just do everything because I can just do whatever. No, it's not that God won't place, David was placed by God in the kingdom. God will lead us to some place. But it's not that that's the only place where we're to be successful or where we're to be honoring to God. It's that it's a journey of continual development, doing good works and enduring for whatever God brings into our lives. And if every step along the way, we saw it as another chance to know God more and make him known to more people, then we will never be in a point of failure because we are always being developed and always bringing his spirit or, and always allowing his spirit to develop us. Paul writes, Paul who's writing this book, I want you to think about, I want to give you some context. Paul wrote this and he transitioned from a revered Jewish um, rabbi to a traitor to the Jews, and then he went to the Christians, and the Christians hated him, and then he was a traveling evangelist, and then he was thrown in jail, and then he was exiled on a boat on his way to be killed, and he writes this, I pray that you would have endurance. I pray that you would have patience. I pray that you would do good works. He's writing this in a place where literally he feels he could be labeled as a failure, and he could say, God, you've left me, but he writes these words because he knows that Being in God's will is more about who he was and who these people were going to be than where they found themselves at the current time in their lives. Romans 12 and 2 says this, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Humanistic thinking will look at life like this. They will say, there is one path, to get you to go where you need to go. And we've got, we've got a little image here. It's not a very hard diagram to follow, but if you want to get to point B, you should find a direct way, right? If, if, if you know where you're supposed to be and you're at point A, then you just go the direct way to get to point B. And you know why we do this, right? In our world now. Hey, Siri. How do I get to Starbucks? Starbucks on Main Street East. Is that the one you're looking for? Yeah, that sounds like a good one. Getting directions to Starbucks. That's awesome. Thanks, Siri. <laughs> we, live in, we live in a world where we can pull out our phone and we can say, I just want to get somewhere. I don't even want to think. I just want it. I, I don't have to even touch a button. I just want to yell out, hey, Google, hey, Siri, hey, whatever, I, whatever kind of device you use. And it will tell you the exact way to go. That's how our minds think now. We think that it, it couldn't possibly have any benefit that I would go here and here and here and here and I would learn something and grow and I would be in God's will all the time and I'll stop here where I may think my will might be and then he'll move me on. We don't think that way because we're a hey, Siri generation. <laughs> And the quickest way may not be the right way. When I first came to Portico, I was 23 or 24 years old, and we were, and we were the youth pastors, and there was a young guy in our, in our youth group, and his name was Kyle Rind. If you don't know uh, who our senior pastor is, his name is Doug Rind. And there's, and there's one thing that they teach you in youth ministry classes is this. 
don't screw up the pastor's kid. That is the one thing. If you can do whatever you want, but don't screw up the pastor's kid or you get yourself into a lot of trouble. And, and when, when we came here, I think Kyle was in grade nine or 10 or something. And he was, he was going to the IBT program at a high school across the city. He got on a bus and spent an hour and 15 minutes going across the city every day to take courses that challenged him scholastically and in science and maths, maths and technology. And, and I remember the night that we were having a youth service and he started talking about going to Bible college. Now, even in a pastor's home, when your kid comes home and says, I think I might want to go to Bible college, we go, do you sure you don't want to get a real job? Like, like we even have these conversations too in pastor's homes. And especially when so much of this kid's life had been devoted to the total opposite of theological training, math, science, biz, this is where his mind went. And he said, but I feel like, like I'm, maybe I'm supposed to go to Bible college. So that kid who studied in math and sciences, who is now trying to figure out, do I go to Bible college? I want, we've just taken a few minutes and captured on video where his life is right now, where his story is on now, and it embodies so much of the principle of God may bring you so many places, feeling like it's where you're supposed to go, when really we have no idea where it's supposed to be. Go ahead and watch the video. So I had been working at PAOC in the International Missions Department for a couple of years and I remember one day I went in for a review with my, my manager and uh, she gave me some feedback and everything seemed to be tracking well and I remember being excited and, and I went back home and my wife and I were traveling up north to her family's cottage and I was telling her about this, the events of the day and I remember breaking down in the car as we were driving and uh, and even though I had this incredible news to share I, I felt completely unsettled and I said for the first time I feel like I'm not supposed to be there forever. I went all the way back started doing personality testing like you do in civics and careers and started to identify careers that would fit with my personality type to see if anything would resonate. And there was one that kept coming up over and over again, and that was medicine. And it was very interesting for me. Um, There's no sort of connection or history in my family that way. I didn't even have the high school courses necessary to uh, do undergrad, let alone uh, med school. So I hit this point of no return, and the decision had to be made. Am I, am I going to go to school, quit my job, and, and go to school full time? Knowing that that's going to put a huge financial burden on my family, it, my wife and I had talked about buying a home, having kids, and it would delay all of that. Or did I entertain this, this piece and I'm just going to continue working? And what was interesting is at that moment, the, the, there was a shift. And it was my wife that actually pushed me over the edge and she said, this is what you're supposed to do. As far as confirming that it was the right path, for me, it's always been other people that I trust and that I know God's placed into my life that keep me on that path. And uh, so whether it be my wife, my parents, or even some of my close friends, the words that they end up saying, I know they weren't, they couldn't have known exactly what to say in those moments. And for me, those were moments of confirmation. Like, yes, this is, this is where I'm supposed to be going. So looking back over this change, uh, I would say there's absolutely no regrets. 
there's definitely been moments of frustration. I, I constantly think, you know what, God, if you had told me this is what you wanted me to do in high school, I could have saved so much time and money and everything else. But I look back at it now and I know I had to go through each of those experiences in my life to make me who I am today. It was necessary for me to go to Bible college, to spend four years there, to work in another career and be exposed to the need and and people, to be exposed to people so that I could have a compassion that would launch me into this next step of my life. What's, what's truly unbelievable to me is that there's a young guy who can say, I'm right where God wants me to be. And if you know, a little more context, he was born in the States, came to Canada, studied as a high school in Ontario, went to Bible school in BC, came back to Mississauga to work with the PAOC, went to med school in the Caribbean, is now doing his residency placements in the United States. But he's like, I know I'm right where God wants me to be. You know why he knows he's right where God wants Because... He knows that there isn't a place specifically where God wants him to be. There's a kind of person that God wants him to be. The only link we can see in any of those locations and any of those steps is that he knew that he was supposed to be a devoted follower of Jesus through it all. And the amazing thing is that in every situation, you and I can say, I'm right where I'm supposed to be if we would be a devoted follower of Christ when we face sickness, when we face job change, when we face uncertainty, when we face birth, when we face a new, becoming new parents, when we face exciting things, I'm just supposed to do good works, get to know God more, and endure patiently for whatever the next step is. Today, March 18th, 2018, do you feel like you are in God's will for your life? There would be many who would walk in here that could have no idea if they could specifically say, yes, I'm in the will of God for my life, because you would go, it doesn't feel like it right now. <laughs> it, feel, it feels like there are some really big things that I'm facing and, and I could never say I'm in God's will for my life. Today we want to respond with a song that we sang earlier that, Lord, you'll do it again. Lord, I've seen you move mountains before and I know that today the confidence that I have is that you will do that again. And these are the words, I want you to think about it. The person who wrote this song, these are not the words of an individual who has had a smooth life and knows that they're in a good space right now. This, these are the words of an individual who have not only faced mountains previously, but is currently facing a mountain and says, the confidence that I have in who you are is that, is that the mountain doesn't get to dictate whether God is faithful. The negative situation in my life isn't, isn't the thing that says, yes, God, you're faithful and, and your will is, is perfect, safe, great place for me. no. The perfect safe place for me is devoted and submitted to you. We are to be who we are in Christ and allow him to move. And that's the response of faith we're going to take this morning. That God, I'll be me and devoted to you. You be you. And I'll let you have control. And I'll trust that your will for my life is just to do that, to be that person. If you're able to this morning, would you respond with us as we sing this song out? I'm going to come back and close. But if you're able, if you're feeling that you're able to say those words this morning, would you respond with us? Lord, I will trust that I'll be faithful to you and I will be in your will. And Lord, we pray for all of us here today. God, I ask that whatever we face, whether it be uncertainty, hardship, difficulty, even just wrestling with, Lord, what is the next step for my life? I ask, Lord, that you would give us confidence that we would 
we would be in your will as we are submitted to you. Lord, help us to understand what that looks like and what that means. And, and God, we'll still be driving towards something. We know you'll still bring us to new challenges and new, and new successes and new roles. But, but Lord, with whatever it is that we have, I pray, God, we would stay so committed, submitted and humble to live for you, to make you known, to learn about you more, to patiently endure. God, thank you for your word that we can go back and we can, we can take our minds off of what we're facing in this world, look at your word and reevaluate things and make decisions based out of your word, not based out of this world. Lord, I pray that you help us to do that. And we ask all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. I'm going to ask you to find your seats for one more, one, one second. Because... If you were like a type A person and you were filling in notes and you're like, there was actually a fourth note there, Rick. And I didn't forget about that fourth one. I wanted to wait until we responded. The last one that we had that we see out of the, out of the scripture is this, that we're to be thankful. Paul says in Corinthians 1.12, give joyful thanks to the Father in all of this. Remember, this is a guy that's in jail writing this letter that lost his privilege and, and he says, I'm going to be thankful regardless of what we do. And as we close today, I wanted to challenge us that we would be obedient to Paul's instruction that regardless of where we find ourselves this morning, that we would be, we would be thankful of the opportunity that God has given us. We would, be, we would be thankful of the challenges that God has given us. We would be thankful for the faithfulness that God has been to us. And we would never evaluate who he is based on what we're facing. And we didn't really answer that question, did we, of is God in control? Am I in control? Are we both in control? It's one of those that we will wrestle. There's, there, is no, there is no number that we, can, that we can put on it. There are times when God allows things into our lives for sure. There are times when God, when God challenges us. But for the most part, we know that God is faithful. I want to pray one more time for you. Lord, Lord thank you um, for who you are. And Lord, I want to pause and be thankful for your faithfulness in, in my life. And God, we ask that through all things, whatever we face today, whatever we face tomorrow, whatever decisions we have to make, that we would, we would see you, we would know you, and, um, and Lord, people would see you in us. And we ask all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.